You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Father God, we thank you so much just for loving us the way that you do. I don't know where we came in this morning. Sometimes we're excited about church. Sometimes we just barely made it through the door. Sometimes we fight with our spouse or significant other on the way here. Never. Um, but God, there's just so much that happens in this world, and we just so desperately need you. We so desperately need each other. We thank you so much, God, for the, the body that we have in Christ, be able just to worship you freely. Uh, it, it is, I just pray it's a sweet smelling aroma to you that you can feel and smell and, and see, and what you look at, God, brings you joy here. Allow us, God, to be just uh, open ears and hearts and minds. Allow me, God, to be a vessel for your Holy Spirit. To preach your word powerfully, uh, to encourage, to inspire, to convict God that the Holy Spirit does all of that it does. Allow me just to be able to do that through, through you know, the humble servant, God. Thank you so much for this time. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, believe and see. So, I don't know if, I think maybe some of you were here last week. Amen? Amen. We, went through, we went through John 11. That was our uh, finale for our Black History Month celebration. It was a lot of fun. The food was awesome. And I'm talking about the spiritual food. You know, the other food was good, too. Are you so spiritual, right? But uh, we went through John 11, right? And so John 11, if you recall some of this story, it talks about uh, Jesus with uh, Mary, Lazarus, Lazarus dead, but Mary, Martha, and kind of that funeral procession. And he got there, quote unquote, late to helping out Lazarus. At this point, he was in the grave and uh, no longer with us, right? And so if you recall Tino's message, which I definitely appreciate and I thought was very encouraging, um, different points he talked about, about the humble servant of Jesus and about how, um, you know, he knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but there's this connection that he did made with the people. So much so that in John eleven thirty five it says that Jesus wept, right? And that we have to have connections with people. We have to be willing to empathize and to ask questions and try to understand one another. Amen? Yes. I think that's a good thing, yes? yes? And so what I want to do today is kind of finish out that story because I, I love you know, how, how it plays out. We, we kind of stopped in the middle, but there is a miracle at the end, amen? So we're going to look at John 11 today. We're going to revisit it. We're going to pick it up in verse, I believe it's 38. It says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. That's a long time to be buried already. I know, that's very, yeah, you could, you could use a lot of other terms for that one. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So he took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know, I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of lemon and a cloth around his face, looking like, you know, uh, those historical zombies. Mummies, I should say, sorry. I guess they are circle zombies if you think about it. <laughs> Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes 
and let him go. John 11, 38 to 44. I don't know about you, but there's times in life where I feel like there's an odor, and it's not necessarily a pleasant one. There's a very profound statement that's been said. Deep spiritual religious statement. It says, uh, quite simply, life is hard. Life is difficult. Life is challenging. Very much times it can, as it's been said by the peanut gallery, it can stink. <laughs> Jesus was very close to Mary and Martha and Lazarus. It says in John 11, verse 5, that he loved them. All three of them. Had history with them, conversations with them, been in their home, ate their food, sat at his feet. He's close to them. What happens here in this scenario? My brother, who you know, who you love, who you've had connections with, he's dead. And here's the kicker. You knew he was sick, right? You knew he was going through something, and you waited. You waited how many days? Multiple days. He's been gone for, he's been dead four days, and you waited. Why did you wait? When you know you had the power to heal. These why God questions. Why am I going through what I'm going through? Why is it difficult? Why is it so painful? Why does it hurt so much? There's times we go through things, and if I'm being honest about myself, most of the time it's wounds that are self-inflicted. I have a tendency, and I was the only child growing up, a little wild. You know, I, I just, just this willfulness. We kind of just want to do what you want to do, Right? Especially if you're a type of personality, kind of go-getter. You're just always doing something. And you maybe hope God catches up. In the process, you can, you can make a lot of mistakes and you can have a lot of wounds. But there's also aspects of life that have nothing to do with what you've done. No decision that you made. You were born in it. You walked right into it. Circumstances beyond your control that happen to all of us. Death happens to all of us. Illness happens to all of us. Financial issues, if you live in California and you have a young family, it's probably happening to you right now. So many different challenges that we go through relationally, pains and hurts. Friendships for years are now, they're no longer dissolved. Marriage is on the rocks. Kids that are hurting. Professional endeavors that just don't seem to work out the way that you want. We go through so many life's odors, if you will. And we have these Deep emotional responses that we consider, and it starts to question. You have doubts, and you're like, is God here? Is he who he says he is? Is he going to work in this situation? There's a bad odor. He's been dead. He's been there for four days. Jesus tells him in verse 40, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of of God. Amen. So they took away the stone. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? I struggle with belief. Being the emotional person that I am, my feelings can get in the way of what my faith tells me. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 5 7 that says that we live by faith and not by Sight. We're not supposed to be nearsighted. We're not supposed to be men and women that see what's in front of us and be like, oh my God, it's not going to work out, and my role's over. No! 
Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? But it's a struggle for me. Conceptually, I get it. I understand it. I can quote the scriptures left and right. Read the Bible twice in a year. I've done all the work. But for it to go 18 inches down from my head to my heart. Can any of you relate? Our heart can deceive us at times. Our eyes can lie to us. And what we see in front of us isn't necessarily what reality is because the spiritual reality behind the curtain is where you'll find God. And his promises are true. His character is true. His nature is true. He does not change like shifting shadows. When he says something, it's reliable. His words never fall to the ground. We serve a God that is a fortress, a rock, a refuge in whom we can delight. I go to him so much because I know in and of myself, I don't have it. I don't have the wisdom necessary to properly navigate this life. I don't have the strength required to gracefully pace through this existence. I don't have it. I have to go to a God that says something like this, that gives my heart hope, that helps me believe. And what happens when you believe? Second part of that, it says they took away the stone. Is that not a bold action? I'm going to walk into a situation and say something to the effect of this guy's going to raise from the dead, and then I have people, at least implied in this statement, Roll away the stone? Can you imagine if that didn't work out? And all you just got was this backdraft, a stench, and you're like, whoa, okay. Well, that was fun. Well, I'll see you guys later. Uh, best of luck. It didn't work out, you know? Like, it's a bold situation. You walk in and say, God can raise the dead because he's going to raise me, and he's going to raise you. This is what happens when we start believing and seeing, when we start living by faith. We'll make statements. We'll make subsequent actions that are bold, things you wouldn't normally do, things that you're afraid to do. What is it for you? We all have these fears that hold us back, don't we? We'll have something that we feel kind of snared by, something that's preventing us from being and doing and seeing the miracles of God. But did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Question. Are we anticipating the power of God to our daily lives? You look at, are you looking forward to it? Think about that. That is not a defeatist mentality. That's, that's the, a, a paradigm that says, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what God does next. Amen. I'm looking forward to how God works in my life. I'm looking forward to how God works in their lives. I'm looking forward to how God works in this situation. You're ready. To see God work because you know who you serve. You know the God that we just talked about. And that he can do anything. The scriptures we've read, in some cases, uh, 
thank you for an amazing welcome, Sujimoto's. That was great. The thousands amount of days we've been in church that we've heard and read personally so many different times, getting away from conceptual understanding and into a place where this is experiential. We believe so much that we look forward to and subsequently act in such a way that would denote the fact that God is exactly who he says he is. Jesus has something. He has something that we all want to aspire towards. It says, so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. A relational confidence. I walk with God. I'm one with God. I am God. I'm with him. We're little case G's, like we're little case gods, right? But nevertheless, what happens when you get close to our Father in heaven? Really close. When you walk with him every day. You know what happens? You feel empowered. Why? Because I have the creator of the universe, and he has my back. He is taking care of every aspect of my life. The numbers on my slowly balding head, the hairs, that are going to depreciate over time. Now there's a real reason why I shaved my head. Before there wasn't. It's because I had like a cholo phase and just never really stopped, so I shaved it. The hairs on our heads are numbered. So if God cares about the numbers of the hairs in my head, is he not with me with every aspect of my life? So then why am I so troubled? For a moment, yeah. Yeah. Right? Because we're all going to go through a gamut of raw emotion. We all have to feel something. There's a reason why Lamentations and Psalms are in the Bible. Amen? Amen. I think so. But what do we go back to? We go back to this relational confidence where because we're close to God, because you feel genuinely connected to him, there's there's a grace that you can navigate through different situations that you would not possess in and of yourself. There is a, a, a power that you can have in situations in terms of being a catalyst for change that would not happen naturally in and of yourself. But because of our proximity to the Father, we have this, and all that's needed is this little mustard seed of faith. It's about yay big. And that he does not ask you for much. Just give me the mustard seed. Give me some type of genuine faith. But I don't know about you. When I've been in church for a long time, it's very easy for me to just see the patterns and see the cyclical nature of things and feel like things are certain motions. Okay, this is what we're going to do this Sunday. And this is going to be this song. And, oh, they're bringing in this person. This is going to preach. And blah, 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 right? Do you still see God working? Do you still dream for your own personal life? Do you look forward to see what God's going to do through the South Bay Church in 2024. That is not emotional hype. That is not some sentiment just to get you charged up. I believe these things with every fire of my being. That's why we're here. And we're not here to just be at church or be in beautiful weather and, and beach. And don't get me wrong, South Bay is gorgeous. Oh, man. <laughs> Love living here. Love living here. But that's not why I am here. We're on a mission. We have work to do. 
Guys, we, we, we've been saved by grace and we're still here, so what do we do? We're the body of Christ, his hands, his feet, his mouth, pinky right. toe, whatever part you are. There's work to be done. And when we have this relational confidence with God, you start dreaming. You start having visions for things. You're not defeatist. It's not a scarcity mindset or I don't know what's going to happen. And like I'm just so timid. And No. You take a leap of faith. You take that step back. You don't know what's going to happen. The journey's scary. I'm scared half the time. But I go anyway. Why? Why did I do certain things that would terrify you? Why would you do certain things that are uncomfortable? Why would I do certain things that are out of my natural realm of my little world and blow that bubble up? Why would I do it? It's relational confidence. I know I'm nothing, but I know that he's everything. And I know that if I'm close to him, I get to see miracles left and right in my personal life. In the way that God changes me, the way that God changes my marriage, the way that God works with my kids, the way that God works with us as a fellowship. I believe it with every fiber of my being, and I know I'm not the only one. It takes a mustard seed. And that racial confidence, it permeates to every aspect of your life. You're not defeated anymore. My marriage isn't what I want. Is God still here or not? I don't like the direction of the church. Is God still here or not? I don't like that bald guy preaching today. He looks too Mexican. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. But is God still here or not? Si, como no. You can't wait to see what God's going to do next. There's scriptures that talk about Ephesians 6, right? 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, about praying continually. You know, when you put on the armor of God after that in Ephesians 6, you know, about praying all kinds of situations. So what happened is when you're relationally close to God, you start praying more. You talk to him more. And so every situation that you know where the authority of God isn't, you're trying to usher his kingdom into. So if there's an issue in your marriage, you're bringing his kingdom into your marriage. If there's an issue at work, you bring him into situations at work. I'll give you one example I had. I remember... Um, I won't say where I was working, but there's one individual that I actually promoted, and um, he he thanked me for that promotion by starting to uh, badmouth me to all the people under him, it, and it was it was hurtful. So I took a lot of time to work with this individual. So like God, just, you know, it's like God, just you know, you deal with it. it, it my feelings are hurt because I think I try to love him with your love, and um, and this is how I was repaid. And it was outside my comfort zone. It took a lot of effort to try to build them up. And so what happened was, and this, this is interesting, it's kind of scary in some respects. Um, but I was like, God, just please deal with it. Because it, it affected my reputation department. It, just, it created some drama. And I kid you not, probably the next month, and this is, this is again, it's a little scary, but the guy's heart stopped working. It went down from 100% to 25%. Inexplicably. Test done for the next six months, they could not find any cause for what occurred. So suffice to say, he was not in the office for the next six months. That's pretty intense, right? I didn't pray that for him. But why do I share that? Because I know that in any situation, God could work powerfully. I know that he hears my prayers. I know that when you pray with a pure heart, 
when you just pray according to his will, when you want to see him glorified in this world, he'll move. I mean, most of the time I'm praying for my lotto victory, so he hasn't done that yet. One day, one day, Lord. It's, it's coming, baby. It's coming. I got some, I got some plans for that lotto bunny. I can't wait. We can get a church building. We can do everything, you know. Uh, I, I'm praying about that one. But <laughs> I'm sorry. I got really distracted on that moment. <laughs> Uh, yeah, me too, thanks. The, the point of it is, is that when you're praying through all these different situations, you're going to see God work powerfully. I, I believe that with every fiber of my being. So whenever there's something that I know is awry, whenever there's something I know that doesn't glorify God, I, I go into it, I go into the battle, and I talk to God. And imagine if, if a couple hundred people do that collectively, how much that impacts all our respective spheres of influence. What do you believe God wants to do by faith? wants you to do by faith what is it for you this could be a micro level thing could be a macro level thing but what do you believe God wants you to do by faith for me I, I believe I'm supposed to be here in South Bay and so I praise God for that every single day I, I, I can't thank him enough for the opportunity to be able to serve in this capacity full time I love this church I believe in this church I believe in the God that we serve I, uh, different things that God's done the past couple years, and I've seen him work. Um, you know, I always share about basketball ad nauseum. Bless my heart. But you know, some of you guys are like, if you say about hoops one more time, I'm going to run my head through some drywall full speed. Like, <laughs> cut it out. But I share about these things because I'm excited about what God's doing. I geek, I geek out on it because I see the connections being made. And, and a lot of this is it's by faith. You don't know what's going to happen down the road. What is it for you? What is he putting on your heart at this moment? Not just the church motions, not just the things that we do, which is great. It's good to serve in all these different capacities. But we're, we're all unique. We all have this, this God-given gift. It says about David that he rested after he fulfilled his purpose, King David, you know, King of Israel. After he fulfilled his purpose for his, genera- for his generation, he, he died. Like there's, this, there's this purpose. This is what I want you to do, Rhett. So I want you to do, person. What do you believe God wants you to do by faith? Closing thought, and then uh, kind of excited. In honor of Women's History Month, we're having women share testimonies each Sunday. So excited about that. So very shortly here, Liz Oga is going to come up and share her brief and powerful testimony. I'm joking with her. We talked about the time earlier. So before we get into that, closing thought, how would your life be different if you believe that life is happening to you? Not to you, but rather for you. Amen. Say that again. Amen. How would your life be different if you believe that life is happening, not happening to you, but rather for you? Yeah, Think about that for a second. Two kind of similar on the surface, but two completely diametrically opposed mindsets. When life is just happening to you, you're kind of going with the ebb and flow of things. You don't really believe much because you don't believe much can change. So you just kind of float. You're, you're more a, uh, a cog for someone else's dreams than your own. Right? So you kind of just, you exist. You float. But when life is happening for you, there is a God of the universe 
in the spirit of Acts 17 that has set up the exact times and places where we should live. And there's an intentionality behind that. You don't just live in South Bay because you chose to. You live in South Bay because God has called you to do something great. Right? Otherwise, you're just living in South Bay. How does that differentiate us from anyone else? If we're supposed to be the light of the world. So that means if we're here, there's work to be done. There's unity to be forged. There's people that don't yet know God that want to know him. That's not a bad thing, right? It's a good thing. There's connections that we still need to make with our community. There's a least of these that still need to be served. And that what we do here already, we take to higher heights. Because life isn't just happening to us. It's happening for us. Believe and see. Looking forward to seeing what God does next. Amen? Amen. Without further ado, I give you this. Okay. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. yeah, good. These these lights are very bright, so I'm going to try not to wink at all of you. Um, so thank you for letting me share. Um, most of you know my name is Liz Oga. I'm actually Elizabeth Stevens still, technically, but we're working on the Oga part. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> I was asked to share my testimony today, but honestly, I didn't really know where to begin I often joke with a lot of people that my life should be um, written into a book. I'm working on it. And then turned into a Lifetime movie. So come see me afterwards if you have some ideas. (laughs) Sandra Bullock, of course, would play me. (laughs) Um, Most of you know how the story plays out in our current chapter. I'm married to Dixon Oga, who's down here in the front. And we have our beautiful daughter, Zakia, who's in the back. Um, we've been married four and a half years. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and I currently work at a mental health facility um, for basically crisis stabilization. My, a, my hubby is a chemist, and our daughter is three going on 13. I'm in trouble. Um, having a child has changed my perspective so much on my relationship with God. I get now why God has given the Bible for us as direction. So many scriptures come alive when being a parent. And I actually want to read a scripture that I'll uh, also bring back to. Um, It's in uh, 2 Timothy 2, verse 11. Here is a trustworthy saying, If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him... He will also disown us. If we are faithful, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. For the longest time, I felt like I was a mistake. My birth parents were drug addicts and dealers. My earliest memories uh, in my life are of taking care of my four siblings at the age of four. I mean, mine's three, so I can't even imagine what she would be doing at four. Um, I was made to be a mother from the beginning, and I always had a protective nature. Didn't trust anybody who does. 
Um, and I was like most four-year-olds. I thought I knew everything. We were removed from their care and uh, when they were arrested, and my siblings and I bounced around to various foster home and group homes. We were eventually separated. It is near impossible today, let alone 30 years ago, to keep five-plus siblings together. Um, that's a short little plug for being a foster parent, just right there. Um, <laughs> I was always labeled the problem child, the special needs kid, the oppositional kid. Later, I was adopted, and those labels continued but changed. I was the problem child, the needy child, the talkative child. That's still the same. Um, <laughs> the, the talkative part. Every label I received, either in, I either internalized or I fought against um, a battle I actually still struggle with to this day. I was adopted by a middle-class family. My family um, often overspends, so there was never really a lot of money. They bought things to show love. All I wanted was a hug. The family I was adopted in also had an older son, and that older son actually used to beat me up for several years, about six years. And when I would tell my parents, they'd say, don't antagonize him. I had to go to school covered up um, with long sleeves um, to cover the bruises. I was afraid to speak up because if I said anything, I might get moved to another foster home. As I grew older, I grew wiser. I learned to avoid him and to do my own thing. Whew, sorry. <laughs> often, often, um, uh, others, uh, sorry. Other than talking a lot and, make, and arguing my point, um, sometimes, I was often a good kid. Straight A's, deemless, obedient to my parents, but the obedience came out of fear. My relationship and my obedience with God also came out of fear. More abuse ensued with my older brother to the point where I still have a strained relationship with him today. In his defense, he was on drugs most of his teenage years, and I've forgiven him, but I didn't forget I won't go into all the details of all the labels of the abuse, but I was also um, verbally and psychologically abused as well as manipulated with the scriptures. I was met by a friend in high school, hi Heather, if you're watching this, um, who used to do pot all the time, and I thought if she could change, I could change. <laughs> um, ooh, sorry, my notes just skipped ahead. Um, the first purpose I ended up going to was outside, a guy from Peru was speaking, don't know the name, but I put my hair up, and I ended up with second-degree burns on the back of my neck. I think God was trying to get my attention. Um, I had known about God a lot. I grew up Catholic. My grandma was um, basically the best definition of a disciple you could ever um, have, even without her going to church. But I didn't agree with a lot of things, and I often questioned God. Um, I would even, sorry, I would even make out with my boyfriend in the back of the Bible study groups. Just to spite God. I know, I know. Pray for me. Um, there, there is hope. <laughs> but God kept coming back after me and showing my, himself to me. I studied the Bible and got baptized when I was 16. Yay! Wow. Yeah. We're not done. <laughs> I did all the right things you were supposed to do to be a true follower of Christ and be a member of the church. I was even persecuted for my devotion to God and to the church through my family even picked on for wanting to be pure to my marriage, and often told I would end up just like my birth mother, eight kids from four different men. I, as I look back, I can see that I was searching for God and doing what God wanted, but it took a lot of tragedies and a lot of questionings for me to realize that God was working on the love and the transformation in my heart. 
Honestly, that's what the cross means to me. Love and transformation. After being a Christian for 12 years, serving in various ministry roles, and giving all, giving all of my time to the church, I started being vocal with God about my hurt and my pain and the questions I felt. Where were you when I was beaten up? Where were you when I was hurt? Where were you when I was accused of things I didn't do? Where were you, God? Since I didn't have an answer at that moment, I decided I'd find my own. Unfortunately, due to my own pride and self-reliance, I found more pain and hurt. I decided to live a worldly life, because I tried it the other way, as I had never done before, going to parties, getting drunk, hooking up with people. I was trying to find a way to heal and figured the more I ran from God, he would just leave me alone. I really didn't understand the role of a parent God plays in our lives. It got, um, I often blamed myself for the things that I went through, but no matter how much I ran, God was always there. Remember that scripture I shared earlier, guys? Right? Even if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Um, God was there, always watching over me, always protecting me, although I didn't see it. I am a part of him. I am his child, chosen, adopted, loved, and fearfully made. When When I started to have this realization... I knew what I had to do, and I knew I had to get open. I needed answers, and I fought for those answers. Question leaders, sorry. Question God, sorry. Question the Bible. I ended up studying the Bible all over again, looking deep for the questions I had, listening to him this time. Two things that stood out to me about it when I was restoring in my relationship with God. One, I never laid down my life to God fully. I never surrendered it. I even told him that before I got baptized. Think how arrogant it was at 16. Two, through everything I went through, he was always there one way or another. I used to read a lot of books, right? I'm a social worker, so I read a lot of books about healing and trauma and different things. And there was a line that said, how could a good God allow all these things, right? The, The abuse, all these different things for everybody, whoever's gone through different things. He doesn't allow it. He allows free will. But what I was able to see was that he was right there on the cross next to me through all the pain, whether induced upon me or by my own hands. God just wanted me to see his love, his deep love to the point of the cross. That's the God we serve. I can never imagine giving my child, you guys have seen her, she's cute and adorable, but I still could not imagine sacrificing her for others. I would rather sacrifice myself. But that's exactly what God did. He sacrificed himself over and over and over again just for us to love him. When we really let go and let God, that is when we see what we are really made for to be truly transformed. I'm going to... I'm going to pray for communion because Rhett's looking at me. He's like, pray. Um, thank, uh, dear God, thank you so much for this time to come to you today. Be able to give you our hearts and prayer, God. Please be with us as we come before the cross and just ask for the, the love that you've given us over and over again. And to see that when we live for you, you can really transform our hearts and minds. Thank you so much for this time. I pray that you continue to be each and every one of us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. 
for other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us. 